one. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you are joining us. Scott Wright is back with us today. Scott's been teaching us about the different ages of the church and significant things the Bible and history has to say about them. And last time we studied the fourth church age. Now let Scott give a brief summary of what we discussed last time, but he's here to help us understand each of the different ages of the church, why they're so significant, especially as we look at the modern day church age with all the societal problems we're facing today. Scott does this by helping us to understand the, the process, process, the word of God, and it gives us an opportunity to draw closer to him. And he's also published a great journal called the God-Centered Concept Journal, Making God's Word My Ways. Scott has a goal of launching this series on a large scale, reaching churches and organizations with this curriculum that will change their churches from simple institutions into a movement. Praise God. He's also a podcaster, has a truly great podcast called The God-Centered Concept as well. You need to listen and subscribe to this podcast. It is amazing. But more than that, He's also a huge student of the end-time scenarios dealing with the book of the Revelation, the end days, and the seven ages of the church. And I've asked him to come back on the program today as we continue the discussion of our interviews discussing these church ages. Help me welcome back to the program, Scott Rice. Scott, thanks for coming back on as we continue this fabulous discussion of the different church ages. Well, hey, it's great to be back on with you, Bob, and look forward to our uh, our discussion today. I mean, uh, last time we discussed the fourth age of the church and found out that it was probably one of the most important ages that we've studied so far. I mean, it covered you know, a thousand years of human history, but, uh, you know, share with us some things that help transition us from the fourth age and take us into the fifth. You bet. So if we really look at about the last 200 years of the fourth age of the church, what we see, and, and the major concept here that we need to understand is that we see the erosion of the confines of the church over society. And, and eventually, we're also going to see the breakdown of feudalism as well, which kind of went coincided with all of this. They, they kind of worked hand in hand in many ways. Feudalism helped the church develop these constraints on humans, on human beings. And from a sociological, cultural standpoint, it just did. And, and that was across most of Europe. Now, that does not mean it was some perfect straight line and everything just like stayed in those parameters every single minute. But for the most part, most of European society during this time stayed in those confines. And what started to happen was with that famine, with the great famine that happened in the early 1300s from 1315 to 1317, and of course, finalizing out finally and phasing out in 1322. And then the Black Death, 1346 to 1353, even though it would still linger on in some ways, but that was the, the worst part of it was those seven years. Yeah, Basically, that started that erosion because people started losing faith in the church thinking, well, the church isn't doing, can't do anything about this. Their, their connection to God isn't taking care of this problem. And, and it also eroded just numbers, just basic numbers, and it completely just changed society anyway. And then as time went on, then we have, you know, the Western Schism and from 1378 to 1417, and we have the Renaissance taken off, which is the whole rebirth 
of humanistic ideals that came out of the Greek and Roman Empire. And then we have the printing press, which I still believe is got to be the the most important invention of that era other than and also you could say the gun as well but that's probably a topic for another time but this is going to be this is going to be the the invention that leads to all these other things i mean we eventually we're gonna get martin luther posting the 95 thesis which shows a total erosion of the church and really what it is is if you think about this, think about it like this. Anytime you get institutions like corporations and stuff, and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they get more powerful and they get stronger, they always put in more rules. Oh, they yeah. always put in more layers. They always put in more boundaries. And what eventually happens is those boundaries don't work because they stifle things way too much. They, they in some ways, they'll enslave their people. And that's exactly what happened. And then eventually that breaks down and the printing press is a major piece to that. Yeah. And I believe that the timing of the printing press was God's ordained plan right after this great famine, black death, you know, it happens less than a hundred years after the black death. And now all of a sudden society is starting to unravel. They need a few more events, but the fall of Constantinople in 1453 will be one of those events. That is massive because it shuts off. And we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but it shuts off trade from the East to the West. And when it does that, it forces these European powers to start looking for another way. Well, they don't turn to the church. It turns to the age of exploration. Yeah. And the age of exploration is what, how Christopher Columbus finds America 1492, you know, if, or I should say the Americas. It also leads to a lot of other discoveries the ocean gyres, all these other things during the age of exploration. There's other areas that are explored as well. And Europe expands itself, especially the Western powers of Britain, France, and Spain. And they are going to put a grip on the world that is going to show that the Holy Roman church has its power has eroded. Not that it still won't have power, but not like it did. And, and great Britain will become the most dominant force out of this yeah. and so the the final straw so to speak and it is not martin luther's 95 thesis the final straw that flips the age of the church this helps it because what this does is the protestant reformation lays the ground for great britain to break away and set up its own functioning church to break away from the roman church and that is the key event and and of course, there there was a lot of back and forth in the 1530s with King Henry VIII, but the final excommunication comes from King Henry VIII on December 17th, 1538, and now the Church of England is completely on its own because he's declared himself the head of the church, and instead of the English people necessarily revolting against him, they followed him. Yeah. Because, and what it showed is that Britain had become too powerful for that to happen they were it was just too, it would become too strong and of course we see through this time period you see how great britain expands its dominance and in the fifth age of the church that dominance is going to explode and, and so is france and spain obviously but britain more than anybody the and eventually the agricultural revolution 
is going to take hold during this fifth age of the church. And that's going to allow the abundance of food and resources and allow people to focus their time on other than daily survival. And that is going to change Great Britain. And of course, the Industrial Revolution will be born out of this. And Britain will become the dominant force in the world. They'll be the first to really surge forward. And they'll they'll be the most powerful of all these. Now, the other ones will benefit from this as well. But they're going to colonize. They're going to establish that their Christian beliefs in these other places. And they will spread out more than any other country in the world. And their Christian beliefs are going to spread out. These Protestant beliefs of the Church of England will be shared in other places. Yeah. Amen. And that is a big deal. And that will be more prominent than any other faction that held power during that time. Great Britain is the key to this. And they are the key for the fifth age of the church. Their power will reign supreme. And it's also called the dead church. If you want to read it, Revelation <laughs> chapter three, verses one through six. And a lot of it is, is because now humanistic ideas and nation building are the focus not necessarily spreading God's word, even though that becomes for some people like the pilgrims and for other, for some groups of people, small groups of people that want to escape the church of England. They want to escape the Holy Roman church that still had some prevalence in, you know, in Europe and some of these other countries that established their own systems of belief. They wanted to escape that. They wanted to be able to do it their own way and worship their own way. So that will also be a part of this age of the church where they will spread out across the globe, obviously into the Americas. And we will eventually see Christianity spread all over the Americas. So what is the fifth church age known for as far as biblical history goes? So the fifth, uh, the fifth age is known for, it's called the dead church. <laughs> and that's because it was being driven by human ideology and human endeavors it was not being driven in the spirit okay so explain that humanistic thinking for our audience well i think first of all if you dial it back to the renaissance the renaissance is going to have a major impact on this because it's a rebirth of thinking it really is you can go back look the arts the culture all these new things and in in that day and age that would have been new age ideas start to expand and we have that rebirth of old roman and Greek culture that is taking off a, a, a stronger focus on individualism. And that's a big part of it. And it's also nation building. Well, let's face it. When you're nation building, that means you're using military power and you're using force is probably a better way to put it. You're using your technology. You're using what you have produced to gain more and it's really a time of of greed in many ways for these nations yeah Amen. and and you can see that i mean you you can see that and so that impacts the church because when you have the monarch in control of the church which is going to become the most powerful nation on earth here and you have these other monarchs now controlling a lot of these churches and who's in those churches and what they're doing Okay, and there's a lot of events that go on mm -hmm. through this time period outside of England as well. But when you have that happening, then there's going to be political wrangling that goes on. And there's a lot of it during this age. Yeah. 
a lot of it. We're witnessing basically a resurgence of that today, don't you think? It, oh yeah, and in, in many ways we are, and it's you know we're kind of in a reset right now, as is the way I like to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the the last five years have kind of been an announcement. Mm-hmm. Some people are are wondering what that is. You know how they're. I hear all these descriptions of what happened. You know what COVID was and. Is it a warning or whatever? I actually think it's an announcement. Yeah. Exactly what that looks like and, and how that's going to, each piece is going to put itself together. You can kind of see it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I don't think I'm saying anything that's crazy or off the wall here, but I believe it kind of was an announcement. Yeah. And it's an announcement of showing what could be coming. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you go back to this time period, when, when King Henry VIII, has basically has made himself the head of that church, the monarch. And we saw that even with King Charles, you talked about that the other day with his inauguration or when basically him being coronated, I should say Mm -hmm. him being coronated. Well, guess what? I mean, that's, you have a monarch, a political power in control of a church. There's going to be intermixing of politics and church theology. It's just going to happen. There's no way it's not. Mm-hmm. You can say that it isn't it, but it, it it is. And so that happens, that is happening, not just there, but in all over Europe, you got, you got all these revolutions that are going to be coming up that you're going to see during this time period. And these revolutions are going to lead eventually to more individualism. And what we're going to eventually see is an eroding of governmental power because you already see the church walls mm-hmm. eroding, the yeah. papacy being in control. Now you're seeing you've got these monarchs and these nation building. Well, eventually we will see that erode, and that will come all the way down into World War One. Mm-hmm. Eventually, this will all lead to World War One. In World War One, yeah. we will see the collapse of just about every monarch. Yeah, amen. You're going to see that monarchy thinking is probably the best way to say it die and what we're going to see come alive after world war ii is it's all going to be and it had already started with communism and democracy and it had already been building and it had been there but now we're going to see it completely take grip over the monarchical thinking is political systems systems are going to take over mm, yeah and we covered a little bit last time uh when in the discussion of the fourth church age that's where that tribalism and feudalism came into being, you know, laying the foundation for the slave trade today as it relates to America. Absolutely. Can you cover this for us as it relates to the fifth age of the church? Sure. So, you know, feudalism really, if, if you want to look at slavery, you can look, look no further than feudalism because the slave trade will increase during this age. And again, I kind of find ironic. It's the dead church. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all about profit. It's all about expanding these companies and these nation states and slavery becomes a backbone of that, not just in the Americas, but everywhere. I mean, all over Europe and they're, you know, we've got African tribes working with Europeans to enslave other Africans. Right. Exactly. And, and then they even had a process that we don't even talk about called indentured servitude. And that became a big thing during this time period. But it was really about utilizing human resources, actual humans, to gain 
financial and political advantage. Mm-hmm. And that will happen. That will expand in a tremendous, it'll just explode is probably a better way to say it. It's going to explode during this dead age of the church, the fifth age of the church. And slavery had its roots in feudalism. Yeah. It's a very feudalistic way of thinking. You know, you got the dominance on top, kind Mm -hmm. of the, the aristocracy, and then it kind of all filters down all to the people who work for them that are controlling the slaves. And then eventually to the slaves themselves being on the bottom of that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And, and really what you're seeing here though, is that believe it or not, during this fifth age, when we start to move into the sixth age, and I'll talk about this in the next episode, we're going to see how that erodes, how this, how the hierarchical thinking erodes, but I'm going to say this and it's, this is a tough thing to say. It's a double-edged sword because when you remove the constraints of church, it can lead to other things. Oh yeah. And we're seeing that today. You can, you know, there's, there's some, there, not every part of the having constraints of the church is bad. Not every part of that is bad. The problem is, is the church had become too powerful that it became corrupt. It stopped following. It didn't follow the word of God. It made its own rules. I mean, you can dial it all the way back to the Justinian codes and they were kind of playing really fast and loose with what, how they interpreted the Bible and how they put law into place. So you can go all the way back and that's in the five hundreds. Yeah. And that will, that will continue to develop and grow. And of course, we're going to have all kinds of little empires form during that fourth age of the church. And I didn't cover all of that. And if you're a historian, listen to this, you, you know, that, cause you know, there's lots of events where this type of stuff happened, but that feudalistic thinking about being fighting to be the one on top and then making society follow you and stay there where it can't move up and down and controlling each of those levels of the hierarchy became a big deal. Well, yeah. that continues here in the fifth age of the church, but now we don't even have the, the church in control. Now mm-hmm. there's control of the, I guess the spiritual side of life is now the monarchs. Yeah. It's now and, the people and, running these countries. And, and the major events of the fifth cha- fifth age of the church actually laid the foundation for us today. I mean, you can yes. see everything you're talking about happening in the churches today. Exactly. You know, a lot of I churches mean, are, you know, it's not, I'm just going to make a generalized statement just to you know make it simple to to understand. But there's a lot of churches, you know, it's all about the pastor, not about God. Exactly. And and you know, and I'm not saying that nitpicking or anything like that, but you know, it's it's kind of drifted in that direction. You know, yes. so we can see it happening in today's society. Can you give us some examples of what social norms and social values we're witnessing today that sure. has roots in the fifth age of the church? That's a, you know, that's an outstanding question. So the one thing we had was uh, that we, that, that actually we have a byproduct of is we started seeing more translations of the Bible. That's a big deal. Yeah. That came out of this age. There was a lot of that that happened during this age of the church. So if you, if you dial it back, this is when the King James version of the Bible is going to be written. We're going to have more English translations. We're going to have a lot of other translations come out. 
one of, I will say this, one of the, the things that passes from that fifth age of the church to us is this. It's how we prioritize worship, or I should say, how we pri- how we think of worship. And I want to bring that up because I just released an episode on my podcast yesterday talking about worship and what it really is. And if you dial back, and of course, the fourth age of the church, um, in the fourth age of the church, they had solidified how, you know, mass went and all that. But they're in this fifth age when the Protestant Reformation has completely taken hold. Some of that changes because you'll have some of them that stay still more traditional that is very much like what you would have seen in the Roman church at the time. But then some of them start to have their own different type of Sunday services. And so that is something that's carried on to this day. And so we're, you know, we've seen kind of that, we kind of see that change happen during this fifth age of the church from that in some denominations that will form during this time. And then those will carry over into today. But I'm going to say this, and this I think is important. What the fifth age of the church is really doing is setting up the sixth age of the church and the sixth age of the church. You know, the fifth age of church is going to last for 200 years. The sixth age of church is going to last for a hundred years. That sixth age of the church to me is the kickoff to the end. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it really is. And when we talk about that in the next episode, we're going to, we're going to dive into that. But this fifth age of the church is setting it up because these revolutions that are all happening during this time are setting the foundation of how we live today. Democracy and the ideals of democracy are born from Renaissance level thinking. Well, most of that occurs during the fifth age of the church. Yeah. I mean, the revolutionary war, I mean, that's who'd have, who'd have figured out a, a ragtag bunch of farmers and businessmen could fight the British empire. And- exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Hey, and, and you nail that. And so, but the roots of democracy and that type of thinking where the individual can decide for themselves are rooted during this time, because there's a lot of philo- philosophers that are writing about this stuff. They are now because of the printing press and that information is flowing. And I don't really think that they maybe totally understood at that time, the power that it would have sociologically and culturally, because it takes these philosophers during that time. It takes them writing all that stuff. And then it takes some time to filter through. And then eventually there are people that start taking hold of those ideals and take them a little further, a little further, a little further. You know, it's not just all one big explosion at one time. It just keeps stretching. You know, you get things like the English bill of rights, you get, you get all this stuff. And so now you've got the colonies formed over here in America, in North America from the British colonies. Well, now they have that type of thinking that they are English citizens with rights. Well, that's going to help lead to democratic type of thinking because they think they have the same rights as the people that live in England because they're, they think they're natural born English citizens. 
And they, if you go back and listen to our founding fathers and some of the arguments they would have and the things they would talk about in the, the Continental Congress, some of their debates, they bring that up. Mm-hmm. That stuff, they talk about that a lot. And so that is going to set the tone for the society that we see today. And, and of course, the sixth age of the church is when the American Revolution will happen, but the roots of it come out of this fifth age. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, yeah. and of course, you can dial back to the fourth age of the church when the Renaissance started <laughs> and the printing press and all that stuff happening. Well, that helps to fuel that. That gives that basically gives the foundation for it to happen. Yep. Amen. How and does the pillars of society this... completely collapse of that old era and a new era is taking hold? And the age of exploration will also be a big part of that. How does all this reflect in our belief system as Christians that the soon return of Jesus is about to happen? Well, I think one of the main things that we need to realize is that all of the things that happen in all these ages of the church are a buildup. And mm-hmm. I think we have to, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't all happen at once and it doesn't all happen in a straight line, but it's all this cause and effect, mm-hmm. cause and effect. It's just technology gets a little better, a little better, a little better people become a little more sophisticated in their thinking Mm -hmm. and that also when people are able to read and write for themselves when they're able to be more sophisticated in their thinking they want to make their own choices Mm -hmm. and we can see this you know from let's just take the time of jesus right i mean it started him and 12 people yep and then you know the persecutions happened and they fled and then you know, the, they were wherever they went, that's where they started preaching about, you know, the Jesus. And, and then, you know, the, they were getting persecuted and it just continued to spread across the world because of the persecution. Yep. So you could say, thank God for persecution. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean, in that, you know, I mean, honestly, there's more Christians that have been persecuted since 1900 till now, yep. as far as numbers than there was in all the other ages combined. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I mean, it has. I mean, there's been, I'll just say it this way. There's been more Christians persecuted in the seventh age of the church than there was the other six combined. Yeah. Amen. In total numbers. So how does the fifth age of the church end? Well, that's an interesting question, but here's what happens. So the fifth age of the church is starting to end because of some of the type of thinking that I was describing to you in a more democratic ideas, but also these revel in these revolutions taking place, Britain is on the brink of revolution, and they'd already seen this stuff happen in France. And there's this group of guys that decide to get together called the Fetter Lane Society. And there's going to be this thing called the Fetter Lane Watch Night Prayer Meeting, hmm. December 31st, 1738. It literally happens in a Pentecost almost an Acts 2 type of way. Hmm. And these guys describe this meeting. I've, I've read about this meeting, and guys like George Whitefield will be there, John and Charles Wesley. There's there's going to be some of these prominent guys that are going to lead what's called the Great Awakening. Mm-hmm. And these guys are at that meeting, and they are fasting and praying that night mm. and all through the morning of January 1st. And they describe kind of a Holy Spirit coming upon them. And there's a guy that had already been doing some preaching named Jonathan Edwards. Mm-hmm. And 
he will give some interesting sermons that help spark some of this too. And so it's really this, the spark of that, that starts to ignite that culminates in this Fetterlane watch night prayer meeting that is going to lead to the explosion of the great awakening. Amen. And that'll explode in the 1740s, but December 31st, 1738, that is a monumental night. And, and a lot of people I was, I've been, I've read some where a lot of people actually believe that that prayer time that prayer meeting and these guys doing this saved england mm. from from anarchy wow amen amen and it brought a whole new spiritual thinking back to england that had disappeared mm-hmm. and that they were on the verge of revolution and really anarchy is what it was right. so that this did that it also will spark eventually the American revolution. Yeah. yeah. It will be rooted in this, the great awakening. And we're going to talk about that in the next episode is one of it. It might be the greatest revival in human history. Yeah. Praise God. Up to this point. It really is because I'll just say this. I was looking at a list of Americans of who I thought were the most influential And I'm not sure that George Whitefield, and even though he's an Englishman, is not the most influential person to the to the United States of America of any person that's ever lived. And I'm making that statement right here. George Whitefield will travel further than anybody else. He will preach. But this age of the church is going to really speak about the individual calling to God. And it's also going to bring that spirit of individualism to the colonies to think that way. The great awakening is rooted in individualism towards God. Yeah. So, and that is huge. And there's going to be this enormous explosion of the Holy spirit moving in society that would, and that's why the dead church of the fifth age, that's why the fifth age is dead church is because everything we've been talking about is all about humanistic type of stuff. There's been no movement of the Holy Spirit or or very little, I should say, limited on a scale that is unnoticeable up to this point. And this is going to go to a different level. And and any biblical uh, historian that has studied the age, at least has studied the history of the church knows that they know that with the Great Awakening. I mean, we talk about that when in classrooms, we talk about the Great Awakening. We have to because the impact is so profound that is still impacting us today. And there's going to be two, there's actually going to be three movements of the great awakening, but two are going to come during this next age of the church that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that next time. Praise the Lord. Scott, this has been so interesting as usual. I mean, if someone has a question or would like more information or possibly they want to reach out to you, do an interview such as this, how do they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Well, I've got my email, uh, GCC God centered, concept 2038 at gmail.com amen and i'll put links to all this in the show notes below folks there is no doubt we are living in what jesus and historical christian scholars have called the end times i mean we're working our way through each of the church ages in order to to give you a more thorough understanding of how all of this fits into what we're witnessing right now all around us and 
again, we should not be in a state of fear, trepidation. We need to be excited about the day and time in which we're living. Yeah. If you watch the news, they're all, it's just designed to keep you depressed. But when you read the Bible, you get impressed. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We need to be thanking God for the day and time in which we live. So just remember all these things happening around us is trying to fill you with fear and not faith. But we need to look up, Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, because our redemption is drawing near. And Scott, thank you for taking the time to come back on the program today. I look forward to the next one, brother. Hey, I look forward to it as well. And the, this next stage of the church might be my favorite one to talk about. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, till next time, for Scott Wright and myself, this Pastor Bob reminded you to be blessed in all that you do.